Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. Gonna freeze tomorrow. Last night when my wife and I went to bed, we were watching the news and they come up on the radio, on the news and the weather is like, whoa, wait a minute. Must not have been paying attention today because I didn't think it was going to get that cold. Fortunately, where I live, it didn't get as cold as we were afraid. Tomorrow it will. So we've already got a schedule that we're going to go out and we're going to get the plants we want and bring them in the house or the garage so that they'll be able to handle the freeze. Because there's going to be a freeze even in Austin. You may get lucky and your part of town doesn't get it, but you should prepare for it. Those of you in the outer regions there, you're already used to it. Uh, you, you've been dealing with freeze longer than we have now, but it's coming. You'll have to, you'll have to consider that. I know there are people who won't watch the news or they ignore the weather. You know, they, it just is something. Be careful. You may have a plant that we've had a we've had an amazingly warm February, and you may think it's going to continue that way. Do not do that. You may get a rude surprise tomorrow morning. It amazes me that they're having a their marathon tomorrow. Man, I would run really fast in that marathon simply to get out of the cold. Anyway. Prepare your stuff. You may need to do some plant covering. You may need to bring plants inside. Be ready. Uh, Be ready for the worst of the worst. You will never harm your plants by covering them up and it be warm. Your plants are not going to complain that, oh, hey, you covered me up and I really wanted to experience the cold. No, 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 no. You're never going to have them do that to you. So protect them, especially ones you have investments in. Those of you with strawberries, you may want to cover the strawberries. They can handle very cold weather, but they won't be a fan of a freeze. So if you're doing your strawberries, think about getting them covered up. You you won't you won't be a fan if you got a bunch of plants and son of a gun they freeze. That'll be disappointing. That'll that'll be very disappointing. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, kind of heads up here. Uh, took down my purple Martin houses, cleaned them out damn sparrows. Uh, They make the most amazing nests. 
but they're not supposed to make a nest in my purple martin houses. And I'm getting ready because we keep track of the date that we get our first purple martin. I think the latest it's ever been in our purple martin houses was May 8th. So that's quite a ways away yet. But we've had scouts as early as now. So if you have a Purple Martin house and you need to do repairs, you need to clean out the sparrows or whatever, you may want to get that done just in case you want to be ready. You don't want Purple Martins coming through and going, oh, wow, your house is down or it's full of sparrows and they move on to somebody else. So just a reminder that Purple Martin season will be coming up. Potted up a bunch of tomatoes. We started tomatoes by seed. And in less than 30 days, we had to pot them up from the little two inch uh, cell to a four inch container. And I have eight to 10 inch tomatoes now. They look fantastic. They are really doing super well. Is it too late? No. It is not too late to start tomatoes by seed. They grow very, very fast. And you can get them there and put them in the ground. We're probably going to be at least another month before we're going to be able to safely put tomatoes in the ground and not worry about them needing to be covered up. So, and you can always start your peppers and other plants like that and get them ready to go. Speaking of, let's go to the phone. This is Roger. Roger, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Yeah, I'm planning on uh, planting uh, some bush beans in the same pots where I had my tomatoes last year. Uh, I just wonder, uh, when should I try to put them in the ground? Um, part of the problem with beans, if it's too cold, and they're wet, they can rot. They, they won't germinate properly. The good thing about that is, is that, oh, gee, the bean didn't come up. Let me put another one in the pot, and it'll work fine. I, I would get past this weather. Um, I wouldn't be doing it so they're in there tomorrow. I may even wait till Monday, but we have... Steadily rising, wonderful temperatures coming for the rest of this week. And you could probably get them in there and do them then. That sounds good. I'm a retired man, so I don't have a whole lot of time on my hands. Try to, try to go to Hillary Street and uh, check out some of the cactus and succulents over there later on in the week. But uh, 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 I get the dirt should be okay. Uh, my tomatoes did not make it very good last year. And I guess I use the dirt yeah. many times with, from the tomatoes. So uh, hopefully but the beans will, will should, do a little bit better. 
you should be okay because beans and tomatoes are not the same family. So you shouldn't be seeing the same kind of diseases or pests that affected the tomatoes affecting your beans. And remember, the beans will improve that soil. Just remember to not pull the roots out. The roots are going to have the, the nitrogen collection in them. If you remove the roots, that nitrogen doesn't go back in the soil. So okay. beans following tomatoes, that's a good combination. Well, then it ought to work pretty good. Uh, I'll let you know later on the year. Uh, it, have a good day. <laughs> you too, Roger. Thanks. Yeah, folks. Um, putting the same plant in the same soil season after season after season, not not good. It can develop a disease. And it'll be very difficult when you put a new plant in and it's this, and it's susceptible to the disease, it'll get it quickly. So putting a break in there and putting a plant that's not the same family, beans are not part of the tomato family. You will help restore the soil. You will starve the disease because they won't have any tomatoes to attack. But remember when you plant a legume, a green bean, a pea, black-eyed peas, etc., do not remove the roots. The roots are storing nitrogen. They will not give it back until the plant is dead. Once it is, that nitrogen will be released back into the soil and your plants can use it. But do not pull out the roots. Uh, Linda, I see you there. Can you hang on? I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. Uh, this is... Linda, Linda, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. How are you? A wonderful day. What can I do for you? Oh, well, first off, I just wanted to shout out that my mother, Monica, has never missed one of your shows. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate so my that. My issue uh, right now is last year I had power gardens with vegetables growing. And the problem was they were invaded by termites. And eventually, I think they may have eaten the roots of the plants. So now the tower gardens are still there. I never got around to doing anything with them. Will I ever be able to use that soil again? I do not know of a termite pesticide that would be safe to use where you're putting plants that you're going to eat. That doesn't mean there isn't one. I'm just not aware of one um, that can handle that, where it would get rid of the termites and you could still eat the plants. The problem I'm having is... Termites mechanically by maybe taking the soil and putting it out like you would dry coffee or tea out in the sun and maybe they'll die or go away that way? 
Yes, actually. Um, I had a door in my home that the termites found a way to get to it, and they were everywhere. And one of the first things that got rid of them was exposing them to sunlight. They don't like that. So if you could take that soil out, maybe, I don't know how much is involved, but maybe you spread it thin on a large tarp in a spot where it gets lots of sun. You're, you're kind of solarizing the soil. That would be another choice, is if you could make a pile of the soil and cover it with the tarp. Pin down the edges nice and tight with rocks or wood or something. Make sure that you uh, wetted all that soil before you covered it and let it sit in the sun for a while. Maybe as much as six weeks. That'll cook them out. They, they definitely are not going to handle the heat that the soil will raise up to in temperature, and that would be one way you could get rid of them. Okay, maybe I'll try both ways and then let you know what happens. Yeah, no harm either way. You've got to understand something, though. Termites are everywhere in Texas. They everywhere. are. So there are a lot of moves you can do to try to get them out of that dirt, and you will probably be successful. Got to ask yourself a question now, though. Walk around your house. Can you see any of those little mud tunnels that come from the ground up to the bottom of your home? Because that means your termites are trying to attack your house. Well, I thought I would take the dirt and put it in five-gallon buckets up on top of a concrete block. That way the termites can't reinvade. That that should be true, yes, because um, they won't have a food source within reach, and for them to get up there might expose them to the sun that they don't like. So that might mm. not be a bad idea. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you for your support on this. And, yeah, the termites were here first. They're not leaving. They deserve a place to live, so I'm just going to adapt, and I appreciate your help, Jeff. Well, I don't know about the argument that they deserve a place to live, but uh, they sure could pick a different place to live. That would help a lot. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you for the call, Linda. Yeah, folks, if you are new to Texas, we have termites everywhere. All right. It is something that you are going to discover. You have to be proactive, proactive in observation. Are they attacking your home? They'll probably attack your garden, and there's really nothing you can do about your garden. I had termites destroy a crop of beets one year. They, they just considered it a food source. Wasn't anything I could really do about it. 
it's not like, oh, well, dump down this chemical and it'll get rid of the termites. Yeah, but then I can't eat the plants. Be more concerned about your home because they will come running in, in very short period of time that you may not be paying attention. You will have the termites infecting your home and you'll need to do something about it. So just understand termites are everywhere in Texas and it's terrible. It's terrible. Do what you can. There's another pest in Texas that's everywhere that's not as harmful except to your crops. And that is root knot nematodes, sometimes called stinging nematodes. And that's when you pull up your tomato plants and you look at the roots and they got all of these lumps on the roots. We call it a string of pearls. You can see them, they've stung the root to get in there to get food. And in doing so, what they're basically doing is they're choking the root off. And your plants will grow, but you'll see a real reduction in their uh, yield. So you may have a tomato that's done really well and all of a sudden, that's it. It's because they're not getting enough nutrition or water to grow because these things have damaged and destroyed the roots. Can you do anything about the nematodes? Yeah, there are nematode resistant varieties of plants. If you're buying a tomato, you wanna see the letter N on the tag. That means nematode resistance. And that means that that plant will probably do fine. There are fruit trees, which will have a rootstock called nemagard. It is also one that avoids the issues with nematodes. Let's go to the phone. This is Robert. Robert, what can I help you with? Yes. Uh just, I hate to repeat the subject, but a little more clarification on leaving roots. I've got a lot of winter veggies that are about to go. Are you saying leave all the roots of any type of vegetable or just tomatoes to put nitrogen back in? Uh, no, sir. If you are growing a cover crop, sometimes called a green manure, if you are growing a legume like beans, peas, um, snow peas, things like that, you want to leave the legume roots in the soil so that okay, they will return that the Thank nitrogen you. back. Everything okay. else, pull out. Yeah, because it would get kind of crowded with a bunch of roots from previous plants. So, okay, thanks for the clarification. I wasn't certain. Sure, not a problem, Robert. Yeah, folks, and... The roots themselves will decompose. They basically are composting in the soil. So when you cut these legumes flush, 
so that all of those rich nitrogen-filled roots are still in the soil, they will start to decompose and as a result, feed the soil that they came out of. And that's great. That's something that, hey, look at that. They gave me a return for my planting. But tomatoes, peppers, okra, eggplant, all of our other plants, you would do better to pull them out best you can. You'd be kind of surprised because if I cut a tomato flush to the ground, about half of the roots will decompose in a week. You won't find a bunch of the roots that were there. And there are a lot of roots when you're growing a tomato. They will break down and they will add organic matter to the soil. So that organic matter becomes beneficial. But you do not have to leave it. You can pull those plant roots out. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Coming to the bottom of the hour, which means we're going to break for the news. We'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You know... Because we discussed this, if you are unsure or if you just want to know, search your favorite search engine, ask it, what's the difference between a termite and an ant? And you will see lots of different pictures showing you what you should be seeing. A lot of times we'll mistake the two. Oh, that's a termite. No, that's not a termite. That's an ant. There's distinctive differences between the body of a termite and the body of an ant at all stages of growth. At all stages of growth. There is uh, we get them in Texas a lot. A, a type of ant that will swarm and fly. You'll see all of these things coming out of the ground with wings and they'll fly off. That's not necessarily a termite. That is ants moving along. You get queens that will go with a group of ants. They'll fly off and start a new mound. So when you see some, when you see some and you're not sure, use your phone, get a really good close-up picture if you can, whatever, and then go check the interwebs. Because we sometimes get confused. Well, what difference does it make? Ants are doing damage, termites are doing damage. Nah, well, the difference is 
the difference is there are safer products to kill ants than there are products to kill termites. You got to have a pretty aggressive poison to get rid of termites, but there are easier ones to use to get rid of ants. And if you have a problem where you got ants infecting uh, a growing area, then you can get rid of them and permanently. Well, that's not fair to say. Ants can move around so easily and so much. You may think you got completely rid of the mound and suddenly they show up again. That's not unusual. So it can, it can be a surprise when you're lucky enough to not have an issue. Oh, someone has sent me a picture show off. Congratulations, they've got a mountain laurel bloom coming out. That's beautiful. Now I gotta run out and go check mine. So, make sure you're treating the right thing. You could look and go, those are termites, and in fact they are. But it's very easy to confuse the two. The other thing that's weird is there's several different kinds of termites in Texas. Formosans are those super nasty, gosh, we gotta get rid of, and they came in with all the mulch that was left from the hurricanes along the Gulf Coast. All the destroyed property, they ground it up and they shipped us the Formosan termites in it. There are what are called subterranean termites. They're blind. That's why they will not be around any light. You shine a light on them, you can kill them, or you will make them run off and get out of the way. So termites are terrible. Make sure which one, if you have them, make sure they are a termite, because we need to work on killing them, quote, safely. Let's go to the phone. This is Paul. Paul, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. Hey, I'll, uh, before I get to my question, just wanted to mention also a benefit of leaving those roots, especially the, uh, the legume roots, is after they decompose, they create uh, little pathways for water to percolate down into your soil. Absolutely correct. Um, I, if I have a sick plant, out it goes, all of it. But for other plants, for that exact reason, if you leave those roots, the roots will decompose, and they do. They let water flow. They let oxygen get down there. 
So you're correct. That is that is right. The the dying roots are a benefit. Yeah. So hey, my question uh, is about uh, native grasses. I've got uh, several different kinds, including Gulf Coast Muley and Little Blue Stem, um, and I have never cut back. Uh, after the, at the end of the winter, uh, my, uh, my grasses, but I see people doing it, uh, and I wonder if there's an advantage to it, or should I just let nature just do its thing? Paul, I'm on the same page as you. I don't cut back my grasses because mm-hmm. when when those leaves are dead, it still looks cool. Grasses have an architectural look to them. What's more, new grass will come up and the brown grass, the dead grass, between wind and rain, it'll get blown off the plant. And ta-da, you've got a new green grass plant growing there. Mm-hmm. Lots of people do cut them. I think they're being a little OCD. They, yeah. It's also um, kind of like a memory event. It's one of those, everybody cuts them back. Aren't I supposed to? Ooh, you don't have to. So you're doing okay if you leave them, obviously, because yeah. you still get a new plant every year, right? Yeah, oh yeah, and and the thing I also think about is like I just leave them for, you know, the wildlife to to deal with because most people who cut those grasses they're probably going to rake up that the the dead stems and dispose of them, and I just kind of figure if I leave it then you know birds can use it to make nests and you know all that kind of thing. That 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 is also correct. So you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, well, I just didn't know if it, it right. had, you know, promoted the any kind of growth or, you know, sometimes it looks, I, I agree with you about the architectural aspect of it, but, you know, sometimes it looks like it gets a little um, mushy or, but, you know, it, 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 it has always come back and looked fine, especially, you know, once it warms up and it rains. Um, yeah. It's kind of amazing you know, at the end of the year last year, uh, without any supplemental watering, all those grasses were looking pretty toasty. But once uh, those, uh, you know, September, October rains came, they really perked up. Yeah, it didn't take them long. And they still put on a great fall display. I mean, my Gulf Muley in November and December was this gorgeous purple. So, yeah, yeah. They they do fine without our assistance. And yeah. I would argue sometimes it would be better for us to just leave things be. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for the call, Paul. And like I said, you're doing things just fine. Uh, Carl, I see you there. I got to take a break. Can you hang on? I'll catch you on the other side. 
This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Carl. Carl, thanks for hanging on. What can I help you with? Yeah, I hope you can hear me okay. Uh, I've been a fan of companion planning for many years. And, but I, I had a question regarding that. Uh, I plant, uh, in between my double rows of onions, I plant a row of carrots. Uh, and I know that onions need pretty high nitrogen, but I was reading that carrots don't like high nitrogen, and yet they're, <clears throat> they're recommended as companion plants. So how do you balance the, the onions need for nitrogen with not giving the, the carrots too much? Well, what you can try, no guarantee here, you can foliar feed the onions. Get a high nitrogen liquid fertilizer like fish emulsion, and you can foliar feed the onions. That big, long green stem is a leaf. It's just a weird shaped leaf. So it could pick up the nitrogen that way and do just fine. That would allow you to fertilize them and somewhat prevent over-fertilizing the carrots. Okay. Uh, that sound, sounds very, very very reasonable. Uh, so I, I'll give that a try this year. My, my onions have been in the ground about six weeks, and they're looking really good. And my first row of carrots uh, are, are up about uh, an inch, and I've got a second row which should be coming in within a week or so. Uh, but I, well, I have one, one other quick question, if I could. Yes? Yeah. Uh, so a number of years ago, uh, John Dromgul gave me a recommendation, and uh, I just wanted to see if, if your philosophy, I know they're very similar philosophies, but um, he gave me some specific advice on how to deal with, I have uh, a yard that uh, I've, I'm all around the exterior, I've, I've got Nandina, and it's very, very thick. Uh, and you know what a pain it is to dig roots out. Uh, but it, uh, towering above that is I have uh, uh, ligustrums, and I have a very lush yard of nutgrass. Uh, what do you recommend? Enjoy the nutgrass? I suppose that's not an option. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, well, John recommended I move. <laughs> okay, uh, I would take that a little bit extreme. Listen, nutgrass is a is a curse. Yeah, if it is. you see it growing somewhere, the first thing you really got to be aware of is don't let it reseed, because one plant makes like a hundred seeds. It produces this little, it almost looks like a starburst when it comes up and opens up and it has a ton of seeds. Anytime you're walking anywhere and you see uh, nutgrass trying to reseed, you want to pull that flower head off because you don't want it to reseed. The other option is to get, whether it's a, full-on garden fork or you just have one of the handheld size garden forks 
when you've had a rain and the soil is moist, drive that into the ground next to the nutgrass and then pull it back. You're going to kind of break the loo- break loose the soil that's holding that nut in the ground. And doing so, you can carefully lift it out to where you're not just breaking off the green stem. That's useless. You're actually pulling out the nut, the little kernel that all of this is growing from. The scary thing is when you start to do that, you're going to find one kernel leads over to another one, leads over to another, and you get this cluster of them. That's about the easiest way, and it's not easy, it's a lot of work, but that's about the easiest way to get rid of the nutgrass. You know, people will tell you, oh, use this particular product. I've not seen them be successful. They may knock the nutgrass back for, I don't know, a month or so. And next time you look, guess what? You've got nutgrass in that spot again. So pulling them out and making sure you never let them reseed, those are the only solutions I got. Or enjoy it. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, Jeff. I hope you have a great, great weekend. Uh, Enjoy this last uh, cool weekend because it's going to be hot before you know it. Uh, You don't have to remind me, Carl, and I totally agree with you. Carl, thanks for the call. Good luck. I wouldn't have recommended you moving. I could see John doing that, but I wouldn't have recommended you to move. So uh, enjoy your weekend. Let's go to the phone. This is Bo. Bo, what can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff, um, this freeze tonight and tomorrow morning, um, I know it's going to be a light freeze. Is it going to be, do I have to be real cautious or just let it go? You have plants that may not like a freeze at all. You need to think about those plants. For the rest of them, um, I don't think it's going to get into the 20s, and I don't think it's going to stay freezing temperature for a long time. So you need to just kind of uh, decide that for yourself. Now, citrus, like I said, I am not leaving a lime out in any freezing weather. And sometimes just covering it isn't going to be enough. But the rest of your garden plants, that's kind of up to you. Cabbage, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, they can handle to 25. But you're going to have to kind of figure out how cold are you going to get. I'm talking uh, silverbush geramanders and um, some ligustrums, shrubs. Um, They'll both survive. They shouldn't have It'll be a problem. okay for one light freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Bo. Let's see if I can get Scott in here. Scott, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. I'm the one, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm the one that sent you the picture of the budding uh, mountain laurel. Mountain laurel? laurel? Uh, this is the first year it's actually budded, and I kind of wanted it to 
go all the way, and I was wondering if this freeze will kill those buds. It should uh, not. We we get colder. We'll probably be in the low to mid twenties. We're in a little it, valley that gets colder than everybody. It should be okay. Mountain okay. laurels are normally were normally found in canyon lands on cliffside, where you would get real ranges of temperatures there. They should be fine. You shouldn't. It won't be cold enough to freeze off the buds. If, okay. if you're going to freeze tomorrow, um, it's not going to be for 24 hours, is it? No. You should be okay. Okay. Um, I'm not I worried about never, the Mount Laurel at all. I'm just worried about the buds. I just like for it to bud the first time. Um, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, no, I think the buds will be fine. I have never, ever covered a Mount Laurel. And I want to say that um, some of my mountain laurels got buds and blooms during the freeze apocalypse. They were later in the year, but they still budded and bloomed. Okay. That was it. I was just wanting them the first year. I understand. Good luck with it. Thank you for the call, Scott. Yeah, folks. Look, we're going to freeze. Oh, my God, we're going to freeze. We're going to freeze. No, don't do that. Don't panic like that. There are some very rare exceptions where even just a freeze will be bad. One of them is if you have a lime tree. Limes cannot tolerate a freeze. You could actually wind up killing the plant at 32 degrees. So... Citrus, your lime, you want to protect it. I'll give you an example. I have a blood orange. I'm not bringing it in. It'll be fine. Now, my wife has a couple of bay laurels in pots. We will be bringing those in because we want them to be as beautiful as they can be. The freeze may knock off some leaves, but shouldn't kill the plant. And we don't want it to look bad. So we're going to bring it in. Make those choices yourself. It's going to freeze. It's not going to be the freeze apocalypse. Folks, this has been Gardening Naturally. I will talk to you all again tomorrow, 8 a.m. Have a good day. <laughs>